All right, Wayne Bettis here, the founder of the Off The Tools podcast. I just want to introduce you to our brand new sponsor, directplumbingsupplies.com. It is founded by a former tradesman who has set up his own plumbing and heating merchants. He has an online shop, which is obviously at directplumbingsupplies.com, and he delivers across the UK. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to yet another installment of the Trades Growth Summit. Today, I have an absolute fantastic guest, Mr. Stephen Blair from Men Talk. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, thanks for having me and uh, hope you well. Yeah, very good. Thank you. And um, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to to have a conversation with, with me. You know, as everyone is aware, we're here to raise money for, whoop, ring finger, for Help for Heroes. Um, so if you haven't donated or even if you have donated, go and donate again. You know, we're trying to hit a big target. Every little counts. So please help us in, in, in raising as much money for Help for Heroes as possible. Um, right. So, uh, Stephen introduce yourself tell us a little bit about who you are and 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 what what you're about i'm stephen blair i am turning 40 just after christmas um i'm a heating engineer by trade um i'm also one of the co-founders of uh, mentalk mentalk um is an organization it's more like a support network um for men just men only that are struggling with mental health problems and the day-to-day battles. Um, We have a community which we've built, um, which is like a safe place for men to be able to discuss the concerns with their health and mental health. Um, It's a safe place, no prejudice, no judgment in there. Um, And our sole aim really is to remove the stigmas around mental health, break down barriers, mental health in men. Um, we're two years into it now and, um, it's growing from strength to strength. The name's getting about, um, seeing people interact with our services, um, our network and it's going well, it's going well at the minute. Wow. Fantastic. That's, you know, that's, it's such a, a big obstacle you know for, for men isn't it is mental health yeah. so what's your yeah. connection with, with with that then have you have, have you had first-hand experience on the wrong side of this um yeah i apologize if this gets a bit emotional on the road um my my background um my childhood wasn't really the best um as in terms my brother was terminally ill as a child um mom and dad spent a lot of time at the hospital looking after my brother um, he was in hospital for years. Um, sadly, my dad died when I was 10. Um, he died in front of me, collapsed in front of me, died, had a heart attack, and I kind of just froze. I think I wet myself at the time. I didn't know what to do, um, and I ran away. My mental health kind of deteriorated from that day onwards. Um, my first interaction with mental health services um, was when I was 10 years old. Um, kind of just floated along then through my teens, got into my late teens, early, early twenties. Um, my life kind of spiraled out of control, um, substance abuse, in trouble with the police, relationship problems, 
behavioural problems, just a mixture of all sorts of things that I couldn't see for myself. Um, looking back now, the substance abuse, really I was trying to mask the things that I was feeling, what was going in, on inside my head. Didn't know how to express myself. I didn't know how to talk about the way I was feeling. I didn't know who to talk about, more importantly. Um, it kind of came to a head when I was about 28. Um, I took an overdose. Luckily for me, I was resuscitated. Um, followed on with another two overdoses after that. I was self-harming. Um, I was in a violent relationship. Um Everything just came to a head for me. Um, I found myself in a position where I left this relationship. I'd become a sole carer for my two little girls. For myself, I look back now and think that was kind of my saving grace. Um, this is what's going to save me. And um, from that day on, I kind of spent all my time trying to develop myself. Not as so much fi fix myself. Um, sometimes I look and think I'm actually beyond repair, but how to manage myself and how to understand myself a little bit more, um, being able to do those things and recognize things about myself has helped me be able to turn my life around for the better. Um, it's stood me in a position where I can now run a successful business. Um, I've got a, a nice loving family and a loving partner and I'm in a position where I'm able to talk about my experiences. Um, I'm not bothered about it no more. I'm not scared. I'm not bothered if people judge me by it. But I'm just able to talk about my experiences now, raise awareness and encourage other people to not take the path I took of just keeping it all to yourself, um, self-medicating, using your own coping mechanisms, actually reach out and get the help that I need. Um, we have this, I don't know, we have this um, image in our heads that as men, we are proud guys. You know, we don't like talking about our problems. We don't like to show weakness. Um, but everything, everything's built to break and everything breaks at some point under different loads and under different circumstances. And it's just recognising that you need help and being able to reach out, whether it's to a friend, whether it's to a stranger, a work colleague or a professional and just say, look, I need help right now. Um, and it's very, very important that we do that. Wow. Well, you know, firstly, thank you for, for sharing your, your first-hand experiences there. Do you know, I, uh, sounds like that, that you were in at some point quite a low, a low space. Um, so fair play hat off for, you know, pulling, turning it around and, 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 and getting out of it because I think you nailed it with the word manage didn't you? Yeah. You said manage it rather than, than, than fix it. And would you say that that's something that, that you, you, you know, you've got to do It's a, it's a management, like you've got a. I think, yeah, effects. definitely. Um, there was a time when I probably didn't take it too seriously. Um, and I was happy. I was just happy being in chaos. That was my life at one point. I was happy with it. Um, and then I looked in and thought, this is not good. This is not good to bring children into. I'm going to end up in an early grave if I don't put myself there. You know, someone else is going to do it, the life I'm leading. Um, and I had to turn it round. Um, it's the best thing they ever did was talking. 
about my was that, problems. Was that the key? Was that was that like the, the, the being able to talk? Dog? I went to cognitive behavioural therapy, um, and when I remember going there, um, and I met this lady called Vivian Hopkins, and she wrote me a letter. Still got the letter to this day. She wrote me a letter of how she saw me, and what I'd been through, and what she saw in in me as a man. At the end of my therapy. I had to write her a letter back on how my therapy had went. Um, I went the first few weeks. I was kind of, I put my defense against it, thinking you're not going to crack me. But she kind of broke me down and there was tears. There was all sorts in that room. You know what I mean? Um, I lost count of the amount of times I was in tears in there. She kind of broke me down into why I am the way I am. So she plotted out a psychological map for me and my four core triggers. I've still got this piece of paper as well. I still treasure this piece of paper. My core four triggers was being blamed, um, being not heard, being controlled or being dismissed. If you do those four things to me categorically over a period of time, it will have a negative impact on me, whether it's my health or my anger. And you will see a different side to me. Um, so I've kind of worked out, actually, this woman knows me. I couldn't recognize these things in myself, but she recognized it. And I've kind of worked out how I can avoid certain situations. So I'm diagnosed with emotional unstable personality disorder. I've also got mild PTSD. So my feelings never, ever seem to go away, if that makes sense. I just learn how to control them better, mm. if you know what I mean. So the anger and certain things I, I'm not too keen on being a room full of um, full of people I don't like being in a room full of people I can know every person in that room and I can visit them individually at their houses that's not a problem but for some reason I don't like being in a room full of them and they people would look at me like why aren't you coming why have you not come to the birthday party why have you not done this so on and so forth so now I've kind of gone past the bit where if I say something I'm worried about and thinking I'm weird, I will just follow them a few weeks before or whatever and say, look, this is the situation. I'm not very good in these situations. I went to all come. But if I stand up and I just disappear, it's for that reason. So I don't carry an instruction book with me on how to talk to Stephen Blair or how to be around me. You know what I mean? And I'm guessing there's a lot of guys who feel exactly the same. You get fed up explaining yourself over and over again to the point where I just won't go there or I just won't do this anymore, which is not really the answer because if I do that all the time, it then has an impact on the loved ones around me, me spending time with them and me enjoying things with them, if you know what I mean. So I think you've definitely got to be on my road to recovery. First thing I had to do is be able to accept criticism. If I couldn't accept it and I'd already got my guard up all the time, I kind of looked and thought, I'm not going to move forward here because she's telling me one thing and I'm disagreeing with her constantly. But if I sit back and analyse, actually, yeah, this woman's actually right because this is what's provoking me. It's like I have difficulty working for people. I work for myself. When I work for somebody, and this has only clicked on me recently, I feel like I'm being controlled. Yeah. Which is and one of that's the triggers that you, yeah, it's kind of one of my triggers. 
and that stems the only thing I can relate that back to is a, a relationship where I was in I was believe it or not I was a victim of domestic abuse wow. looking at me you wouldn't think that no um but my part my ex-partner never hurt me in any way shape or form I saw like, bite scars on the back of my head I had my throat slashed I was stamped on while I was asleep um she's now in prison but all those things at the time I was like hiding it from my family because I was embarrassed to tell my family and my mom would say look you let a woman do that to you or you let my if it was a bloke my mom would say you let some bloke do that to you what are you going to do about it so it was like that thing I was embarrassed by it that I'd let it happen but at the same time I was looking at thinking I can help her I can help her you know we can get through this together and I just fell into that trap of love is blind I woke up one morning and I didn't even recognise myself anymore. I'd got no friends. I didn't associate with anybody anymore. I very rarely saw my family. It was like I was being controlled by this woman who was using a femininity and my children as pawns to manipulate me. Wow. Um, I know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably talking now and other people, hopefully other people are going to listen to this and this is going to ring alarm bells in their head. Well, and these I'll, are conversations no. that don't happen that often, aren't they? No, you know, they're, they're conversations that need to be happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, one thing I always say to guys out on the streets, jack the lads and tradesmen I work with and stuff like that, and you have a bit of banter with them sometimes and you talk, oh, no, I never feel shit or I never feel this or never feel that. And I would say, all right, then, when you go out on a Friday or a Saturday night and you've gone out with your mates and you, you're sessioning or you're doing whatever you're doing and... At the end of the night, you're standing up your mate's kitchen work surface, I said, and there's just you and him left. I said, and that conversation starts turning dark about three, four o'clock in the morning. I said, you bladdered, whatever. I said, and it starts turning dark then, you know what I mean? And like you're saying, oh, I feel shit, I feel crap because of this, and it's really got me down, and, I, you know, I've, I felt like ending my life so, so many times and that. We should be following up on those conversations as friends. In the middle of the week, when you've come down or you've, you've sobered up or whatever, you should be phoning your mates and saying, you know what you said to me the other night? Is that really how you feel? Because I know I poured my heart out to people and unfortunately, I didn't get the response that possibly could have saved me. I don't know, could have made things different for me. If I knew at the time there was somebody on my side, there was somebody fending for me. It wasn't just me, but that alone feeling, you know, you, you're do looking you think, at... Do you think it's like, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Like fear, like from the other person's point of view, of not knowing what to do and say. Does that make sense? Like, like <laughs> I personally um, I nowadays would, would probably react different to what I'm probably... 10, 15 years ago, if someone had yeah. said certain things to me, I'd have ran away thinking, fucking hell, I don't, I don't know what to do here. Do you know what the hell? Whereas, obviously, I'm a bit more more mature and, and understand life now. So I, I think I, I definitely agree with you there. 10, 15 years ago, I probably wouldn't have this conversation with people, if you know what I mean. You know, I was a muscular young lad full of testosterone that just liked to be an alpha male. You know what I mean? The last thing I'm going to do is sit there and say, oh, oh, I feel this and I feel that. But inside, I was crumbling. You know what I mean? But a lot of people looked at me and, think, and thought, what's, you know, there's nothing worse than blokes covered in muscle and tattoos and that. And inside, you know, he's vulnerable. 
And that's how I saw myself back then. I look back now and think that's how I was. You know, you could press my buttons and I would react immediately. And I would just be every other week I was in the police cells. That was kind of my life. Um, my life's just changed so much. You know, so I don't you mentioned get... that cognitive therapy. For so was that was that the sort of light bulb moment, the game changing situation for you, or or, or was there definitely more the game changing situation? I never, so I can't remember what happened. Now something happened. I think I split up with a partner at the time, um, and I just I just went on a bit of a downer. I wouldn't engage with no. But I, to be fair, I went on a rampage for about a year. Constantly in trouble with different women. I was just, it was just chaos for a year after she split, I split up with her. Um, I never finished my cognitive behavioral therapy, but she, I always listened. I may not have seemed like I listened, but she gave me the tools to go away with and try and work at them with myself and actually work it out for myself. Um, so she, she definitely helped me turn my life around without a shadow of a doubt. I found her on LinkedIn probably last year. I've searched for this woman for a long, long time. Um, and I found her on LinkedIn last year. And I sent her a message to say, are you Vivian Hopkins who treated me? And she, I think she was a bit apprehensive to say yes or no at the time because she didn't know what the comeback was going to be. And I just wrote, I wrote my letter to her via LinkedIn to finish my session with her. And I thought, I need, I need to have closure on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she, I, I thank her to this day. You know what I mean? She'd give me tools. She stuck with me when I pushed her away. And you know what I mean? But I've had other psychiatrists and psychologists and you resist and they don't want to know. But she kind of stuck in there. And she, she worked. She did, she did the good thing, man. Oh, Being able to speak to somebody. I think we don't speak to our mates as well because we're fearful of being judged by them. And also, are they going to keep it to themselves? Is this something you're going to tell them in confidence and they're going to keep to themselves? Ultimately, as a man, we want reassurance from another man that it's okay to feel like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yes, it's nice to have reassurance from anybody, but I think as a man, the more alpha the man you're talking to and for him to turn around and say, you know what? I've been through something very, very similar. Let's have a talk about it. You know what I mean? Just even if you don't understand, just being there saying, you know what? I'll listen. I've been into customers' houses and um, it's got onto mental health or something like that, or it's got onto a, a, a child or something like that. And I have physically had a meltdown in a customer's house more than once. I've sat there shaking, crying. I've only gone to service the boiler. Yeah. And the customer's probably looking at me thinking, oh my God, what's just happened? I've walked out there feeling amazing because I've just unloaded. Yeah, I've just unloaded on somebody. It's irrelevant to me who's listening to me. I don't care. Do you do you journal by any chance? Um, as in keep a log for myself, you mean? Yeah, oh yeah, just like but like but I I journal. I try to journal a little bit every day. Just box off the day, you know, just to I don't. unload. You don't. I no. don't. The reason being, reading, writing stuff isn't not my forte. Yeah. So for me to sit down, I don't generally don't read books because I struggle with um, I struggle with racing thoughts. 
So especially, I notice it's worst when I get in bed at night and I want to go to sleep. I can't switch off. My head will just think of anything. It won't necessarily be about work for that day. It will be about money. It will be about a programme. It will be about, could be about a cheese sandwich or a football game or anything. And it just keeps going. Every 30 seconds, it's something else. It's something that's now relative to nothing. So I struggle to concentrate doing things. Um, so for, for me, reading, I'll read something I'll, and I'm just reading the words as opposed to taking it in. So I'll get to the bottom of the page and I'll struggle to remember what the top of the page was on about. So for me, stuff like I don't really read. Um, it's, it's not my forte, but I think, yeah, I think it could be a powerful tool. That yeah, I, just the way you mentioned about unloading, you know, I, I yeah. find just jo- just jotting some stuff down at the end of the day just just helps me. Do you know, I have this this journal here. It's just you know, just literally sometimes it's a one liner, one word, like one line. Sometimes it's a paragraph. Yeah, yeah. It just depends, you know. And but, but yeah, it's just something that I do personally. Um, moving the conversation on a little bit. So obviously. You, you you know you've done fuck you've done really well to sort of get a, get a handle on on yourself. So I, I'd say it's probably the best description, isn't it? You've sort of learned learnt how to control your feelings a little bit, how to manage the yeah. environment that that could influence that. Where where did where did men talk come from? Was it as simple as that there was nowhere like that for you, so you wanted to create it for somebody else? Is is, is that um, we. Steve Smith, um, Lee Woodgate, um, and myself, we all kind of met through expert trades. Um, they'd been talking about doing something mental health wise, um, mainly for self employed guys. Um, we was talking about the stresses of um, being self employed and what else that brings to the table that can affect your mental health. Um, I started talking with myself. So there was three of us now talking. Um, we did a podcast. Our first ever podcast went to the top 100 in the world. And off that, we just kind of thought, you know what? It's tradesmen and mental health is just the tip of the iceberg. It's actually a lot, lot bigger than this. This is embedded in us. This is something that's wrong in society. Not just individuals. I think societies. You know, it's just geared up wrong for men and mental health. Um, so that's where it kind of grew from there. Um, like I said, originally it was just tradesmen. And it just kind of grew from there. We set up a Facebook group um, to have a safe place for guys to talk. Um, there's no women in the group at all. And we've got guys in there from all over the world, from every walks of life. Um, we've got guys in there who struggle with their mental health daily. We've got guys who've recovered. We've got other people in there who are just trying to educate themselves to be aware of people around them who may be suffering. Um, and from that, we did podcasts. We had a series of podcasts with some celebrities. We had a radio show. Um, we have events and meetups and stuff like that. And that's where Men Talk has kind of taken us. Um, I think our... Our initial aim was to make it huge. I think that's everybody's desire when they're fresh in business doing, let's make it this, let's make it that. Everybody's just got these wild ambitions. I think we kind of realised quick on that it was, it's a cutthroat business, uh, mental health. And we sometimes, um, 
how to say, you doubt some people's motives of being in mental health sometimes. Is it just about publicity or do you genuinely really oh, genuinely want to make a difference, should we say? Um, Mentalk, we're, we're non-profit making. Um, we're sponsored by Baxi. They give us a lot, a lot of help with advertising, events, um, media and so on and so on. Any support we kind of need. Um, our initial concept was we want to grow this. We want to get investors in it to give us money and then we're going to do the counselling. Well, we had a directory of psychologists, um, which we still got, directory of professionals who can help. Um, but it's all to do with funding. Um, quickly realised it's like a cutthroat business. People don't want to help you when they say they will. And, and we kind of look at it thinking we're fighting the same cause here. We're not trying to make money. We're not trying to make ourselves famous. We're just trying to make a difference. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's all we, we aim to do is make a difference. Um, promote talking about mental health and really raise awareness around men. And also with women, for women to spot that they're, you know, as, as on the whole, we need to be aware of people around us and their mental health and how life and how our actions can impact on their health. Yeah. No, well, you, you're definitely making a difference. You know, I, I've been a part of the group since you started it. You know, we, we, yeah. we've all known each other on, on various online communities over the years. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's a strange it's in the nicest way it's a strange place as well as a great place because yeah. you sometimes read something and you and you, you literally your heart just like melts and you think geez what can i do do you know how like what can i do to help and then other times you hear the the great things as well do you know where yeah they, they'll mention that they had a chat with xyz and 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 everything's been put into concept context and life's feeling yeah. good and you know it's it's a real it's a it's a real challenging space to be in um yeah you know in a small way do you know a few of my clients i deal with just the skirts of this sort of thing and, and it's very difficult so let alone like a, a community what it's a good couple of thousand people in there isn't there at least yeah I think. yeah um it's good it's good to watch because you'll see people come into the community and then they may stay silent for a while or they may come in because they've been recommended by a friend to come in there and they'll put their story in there um or you'll see members in there really really struggling um i know Myself, I've made phone calls, please for safe well checks before for community members. We've wanted to know they're okay. Um, they've come back to us and thanked us and said, look, I was in a really, really, really dark place that night and what you did for me, nobody's done for me before. A few weeks later, you can then see them helping somebody else in the group, yeah. which is it's amazing to watch. And you look at it and think, you know what? You help one person, that help person will help another and another. But like I always say, for you talking about your problem and how you got through your problem, you're giving someone else the confidence and the blueprint to be able to survive one of their problems that they've got. So however little you, you might think you're contributing or just saying certain things, um, you're not just being able to talk. People will recognise that speech and think, you know what, they will relate to it. 
Yeah. You know, I don't. We don't claim to be professionals. We're not to say we're going to fix you. We haven't got degrees or diplomas or whatever in mental health, but we've experienced it. Yeah. And that's what I related to the most. I was sectioned and I went into care. And I remember my first day of care. I remember walking in the room and just looking at everybody. I remember turning around. My girlfriend was the other side of the glass window. She couldn't come in. And I remember just sitting there and crying and crying and crying. And everyone was coming over to me saying, you all right, mate? You all right? I was like, just leave me alone. And uh, for probably about three or four days, I got my defence up in there. I wouldn't speak to nobody. Wasn't until I actually spoke to, started letting my guard down and speaking to people in there. And like people would come up to me and say, mate, what, what's, what's the problem with you? You just look normal. You look normal. And I just think, well, how do you, how do you, what? Because I'm muscular and I look like I go to the gym and I'm healthy looking. I said, but you can't see what's on the inside. But I found out, you know, I was sectioned for five, six months talking to those people in there. They could finish my sentences for me. Yeah. I'd be talking about how I feel and like they'd finish it for me. And I'd be thinking, you know, you know how I feel. You can relate to how I feel. But from the day I got there, I didn't want to be there. By the time it was to leave, I didn't want to leave. Wow. Because I was thinking, I feel safe in here. Nobody, everybody understands me. If I say something, they don't call me stupid. or say, oh, pull yourself together or you're just being stupid. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, no disrespect to my mom. After I, t- you know, tried to kill myself, my mom said, you know, don't get doing anything stupid again. And at the time, I was like, I didn't, yeah, all right. And then afterwards, I was thinking, I'm thinking, that's not, for me, it made perfect sense. Yeah, it wasn't stupid. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't stupid. So now, well, when I, I, my, I talk to my friends and I can see their struggle, I always say to them, don't do anything that I'm going to regret. I don't want to miss you. I don't want you to do anything now. You know what I mean? I'm, I never call it a stupid thing. I never say to them, don't do anything stupid. Because to them, it makes sense. They just might want somebody to talk to. Yeah. So you kind of learn. As you evolve as a person, you learn your speech, you know, you're talking to people and think, actually, I shouldn't say this because that could offend people. And and I know that because I've experienced it myself. You know what I mean? There's nothing worse than talking to somebody and they don't understand you or they're not listening to you. It's like tipping petrol on a fire. Yeah. Just aggravates it and makes everything a lot worse, doesn't it? Yeah. Even if you don't understand, you know, I've had conversations and I've said to people, look, I don't understand what you're going through right now, but I will listen. And that's if you just want somebody to shout at or moan at, I will sit here and I will listen and you just talk to me. Yeah. You know, we'll have a conversation. So I think that's, you know, it all goes hand in hand. Yeah. Well, I've learned over the years when I eat crap, I feel crap. When I don't exercise, I feel crap. When I don't talk, I feel crap. When I don't go out in nature, I feel crap. So all these things I'm trying to push back into my life now that have been gone at different times or when I find I've got them all back together, that's when things start going well for me. That's when things start happening, you know what I mean? You know, we, we surround ourselves by our friends or people we call our friends, but friends aren't always the best people to be around. Yeah, 
like I've on, learned. On, back, back on that point you just mentioned there about the them four things, you know, Matt, hundred percent agree. And and this might this might sound a bit stupid, but for me, right, that's just doing what humans were meant to do. We were meant yep. to be active. Do you know? We, we yep. got these bodies for a reason. We were meant to be social. We lived in tribes, you know, we're meant to talk. Yeah. We were meant to be outside in the in, in the environment, you know, because it's full of oxygen and 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 life and, and soul giving stuff. So for me, it's no surprise you said that because I you yeah. know, I think if you strip away all everything else, you that is just what humans are meant to do. And I and, and that's just gonna I think we've lost chemicals. we've lost it. I think we've lost that. Um yeah, these stupid when I was a kid, when I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Problems. Technology. When I was a kid, I was into mountain biking, it was my life. Um 16, 17, discovered girls going out, substances, and everything just stopped for me. Um last lockdown, I got back into mountain biking again. Um in our mentor group loads of mountain bikers in there i just put it out there is anybody a mountain biker 35 guys turned up that day and all come for a bike ride with me it was one of the best days i've had out in ages wow. it absolutely annihilated me but i learned that being back out in the woods in the forest in the morning something therapeutic about it by the time i've gone out on my bike and come back i'm in a different mood i'm a different person so i've i go out with friends now I do something that's healthy, going out on my mountain bike. I've gained a group of friends that you can talk about. And, you know, it's like going out on a Saturday night. I'm not going to end up with a hangover and I'm not going to have an empty pocket in the morning. So I rediscovered those things again. And those were important to me, doing those things now, going out and enjoying myself. Um, and the diet, everything that goes with it, you know, we just sit there and we push buttons all the time. We don't do anything. When the lockdown came about, everyone had this health kick. We're going to get in shape. We're going to do a thousand squats. We're doing 25 press-ups a day. We're going to eat healthy. You, people was taking up cooking. I, I went over Canic Chase and I'd never, ever seen so many mountain bikers in my life. You was queuing to go down hills. As soon as the pubs reopened, it was a deserted place. And I just thought to myself straight away, have we lost what we are? Is this going to be the way? Because I know everyone's excited to go back out, but I haven't seen it come back. It's remained the same. It's not. And I just think, you know what? We care more about what people think of us than we care about ourselves sometimes. Um, and it's bizarre the way we just look at social media. is so damaging. We look at those things. Um, I think for a man, I think more so for a man. I might get a bit of stick for this now. But women, they always want a perfect man. They want an honest man. They want a hardworking man. Did do this. When we're tired, we can't cover ourselves in makeup. We don't go out and have fake fingernails, fake this, fake this, fake that to make ourselves look good. We just have to look in the mirror and feel good about ourselves. We don't have all these things to make ourselves look good or make ourselves feel good about ourselves. It's really wow. damaging. I, you know what? That's the first time I've ever thought about that. Well, my and, and I, so I religiously get my hair cut every week. I get my hair cut every week at the same time. And my missus is always like, why do you do that? 
few people have said, oh, it's because you're vain. I said, no, it's not. I said, I have to do some things that make me feel good about myself. I went, so when I've had my hair cut, I said, for that, that day or so, I look in the mirror and think, you know what? Oh, I look all right, actually. I feel yeah. good about myself. I said, I don't get to put fake eyelashes on, fake nails, fake tan, fake this, fake that, and stand in the mirror and have some go, wow. I said, this is me. You're looking at me. I said, so I have to exercise, I have to eat healthy. I said, you have to take care of yourself. I think yeah. men have it a lot harder than women, if I'm honest with you, in that respect. You know what I mean? If, if you go and put a colour on your hair because you're going grey, you might the first thing you do, your mate's going to take the piss out of you. He's not going to come up to you and go, oh, my God, what have you done to your hair? Have you lost weight? You look your amazing. Bum, you look fabulous. You look amazing. <laughs> your bum looks amazing. We just don't do those no. things. No. You know, but if somebody did actually go up to you, the only time that will actually happen is when you go to the gym and someone's putting on some muscle and it's like, oh, you're looking good. Or that's the only time those comments kind of take place. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think now, have I ever said to another man, you're looking good or, or anything like that? No. Do you know, we have a family joke with my brother because we think he yeah. dyes his hair. And the first thing we do is take the piss out of his hair. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, you, you know, it's like, yeah, look, yeah, Baz, Baz ain't grey, he dyes it. You know, that's the first thing we say. It's not, yeah. he looks good or whatever. Yeah, I've, I've never, it's funny, funny that. I've never, never looked so at We let angle. ourselves... We let ourselves go too much. We don't. I think that, uh, and I see it a lot in men talk in the group. So I'll say, who's the most important person in your life? My kids, my wife, my mum, my mum, this is not. The answer is you. You are the most important person in your life. Because if you don't look after yourself, you can't love your kids to the full ability. You can't be them for them to your full ability. You know, and we may never love ourselves, but at least like yourself. You know what I mean? I do things all the time and I'm angry with myself, constantly angry with myself. If I do something wrong, I will punish myself. I have no shadow of a doubt. You know, my partner could be angry with me. I'll be 10 times more angry than she will be. So I've had to like learn to kind of like myself a little bit. Yeah. Well, we're um, stuck with and- us, aren't we? You can't yeah, go and get a new one of yourself, do you know? You've got to no, <laughs> embrace it. You, you can't do it, you know what I mean? So you've got to look after yourself, eat healthy, put yourself first sometimes, be selfish. And then I've noticed sometimes, even when I don't feel like doing things, if I do something for somebody else, it gives me a good feeling like, actually, I made a difference. I don't need rewarding for it. I'm not asking for anything back. I just feel good. And you'll pass that on to somebody else and somebody else, you know what I mean? And before you know it, you end up with good friends around you. Nice people want to do nice things with you. Your life will change for the better when you've got different people around you. Yeah. Sometimes uh, people... The people you surround and, and communicate with are a direct reflection of your thoughts and, and behaviours, aren't they? Yep. My guess is 10 years ago or whenever you was in your bad place, the people around you were were like adding fuel to the fire. 10 years, was, 10, 15 years ago, I thought the best people to be around me was the ones who was pushing bags of white powder across the table towards me. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah. Some of the best people I've met are like yourself from the heating industry. We we probably wouldn't mix on a different level. We'd probably have completely different interests, yeah. but we have a common denominator. And that is we're all part of the heating industry. 
and through that we become friends. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you, some of the yeah. best people, some of the best people in your life, you yet to meet them. You've not even met them yet. You know what I mean. You could have friends who've been with you thirty years, but they could just be holding you back, and you just can't see that sometimes. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so sometimes you just need some time out to yourself to evaluate things and look at things and think actually where where am I actually going wrong and this is where a lot of people they feel guilty if they do this though do you know the people that I've spoke with and, and over the years you know they feel bad if they prioritize themselves for a little while and I, just, I used yeah. to I used to but I don't anymore yeah and me and my missus will have an argument over this sometimes you say you're so selfish and I'll just say look not being selfish I just have to do this thing, though. And so you can think what you want about me. I don't actually care. I've kind of gone past the point. I've accepted it now. I've accepted who I am. Everybody else knows who I am. I'm just trying to move on with it now. So anybody who's got a problem with it, it, it doesn't really bother me anymore. There was a time when it did. But now I've evolved from that person. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of... A lot of when you realise you can help somebody else by talking about your problems, I think it just makes it easier to keep talking about it then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then then it becomes a, a normal conversation, which yeah. then just makes it a lot easier for, for you to do it, doesn't it? They're like and, and, and the cycle repeats. The more the more you talk, the more it becomes easier and, and flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. What's, what's your thoughts then on so my personal opinion is that th this is all to do with the state that you're in, the state of mind that you that, that you're in yeah. at the time. So you can be you can be pumped up and buzzing when you're on your bike, for example, but two yeah. hours before you could be lying in bed feeling like crap and 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 not wanting to not wanting to to do the next thing that you need to do. Do you do you believe it's all in the head or is it chemically induced or is it a mixture of the two? Is, is there an imbalance? What's, what's your sort of view on, on it? As um, obviously I only know how I feel. Yeah. I can't say how somebody else feels. Things can just happen for me and I just can't control how I feel. It's like, I can't channel my anger when people say, Oh, I'll go down the gym and I channel my anger. If I go down the gym and I've got something on my mind, my body does not function. Yeah, there was a point where I'd just sit and I'd go all stiff and I'd just literally sit and stare at the wall for hours. I wouldn't speak to nobody. I wouldn't move. I wouldn't get up to the toilet. It was just like I was in a trance and I would just sit there seething in anger. If something happened then, everything around me would get destroyed. Um, so a lot of it... A lot of it can be psychological, but it can be people, the situation, the environment yeah. you're in can have a massive impact on the way you're thinking and the way um, the way you're feeling. For an example, when I was at my lowest point, um, when I, you know, when I when I was younger, I was into everything. I was a bit of a thieving git. I was into everything. You know what I mean. Got into my late 20s. I wasn't into anything like that no more. Yeah, I was using substances and so on and so forth and partying. I remember, I think this was just prior to me being sectioned. This was just prior to me taking an overdose. I remember walking down the road 
and I've got no phone. I've got no money in my pocket. I've got nothing. I was skint. I was broke. I've got nothing. And I was walking down the street. And I remember seeing this guy pull up in a car. And he got out to take a takeaway, a Chinese takeaway to a house. And he walked down this long drive. And he just left the car running at the end of the road, at the end of the drive. I remember, I remember looking at the car as I was walking. The next thing I remember is we sitting at the wheel of the car thinking, this car's gone. I'm having this car. Right. Ten years before that, I probably wouldn't have thought nothing. It'd just been gone. But I evolved, kind of evolved as a person. But then the situation I was in was making me desperate. And I remember sitting there at this car. And this, I probably sat there for a minute. This guy had not spotted me. He was just knocking the door, trying to get someone to come. I remember looking and then just going, oh, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And just getting out and walking down the street and carrying on, left the car. And I remember thinking, that's how your situation can change so much. That's how desperate you can be that you will do anything to feed yourself. It's, sometimes it's a matter of survival, a matter of desperation. I'll hold my hands up. Sorry about that. I will, um, so my daughter tried to phone me. Um, I've been, I've, you know, I've had to go to food banks and so on and so forth to feed my children. That I've been to those places. I've had no money. I've been asking for help, off, you know, employment support allowance, whatever it was. And there was no help. I was getting £30 a week to feed two children on pay my electric, pay everything. And I was going to a food bank and the, all the food I was getting it was like kids' food or it was foreign and I couldn't even read the label. I know there was days where I would starve because I thought, I can't have got to feed my kids before I feed myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's just, you just go into survival mode. It's yeah, hard. It's way. a vicious cycle, I suppose, because then you're, then you're, your thoughts and your, your mindset is totally shifting. It's, away it's just from crazy. It. Yeah. It's crazy. We've all done it. We've all judged people. We've all looked at somebody walking down the street and go, look at that dickhead over there and his trousers are too short or, well, can't he afford a proper meal or something? What are you eating? Or, you know, you could be working with somebody and they get the lunchbox out. And you go, oh, look what he's eating, everybody. You don't know what that guy can afford. Yeah. You don't know. You know what I mean? But we all do it. We all judge people rather than saying, you know what? Are you okay? Yeah. Just tell you, it's easy. What does it cost? I've been on a job this week and there's been me, uh, my mate, two alarm guys, two electricians, a toilet, a builder, a plasterer. At every point this week, at some point, I have made, gone out of my way to go and say, you okay? How's things? Let's, let's talk about mental health. And they're like, what? Well, just, just, and then you just start, no, I don't suffer mental health. The conversation just starts from there. Yeah. And then they'll go, actually, yeah, uh, things all come out. Yeah. They'll start divulging, you know what I mean? There, certain things have happened, you know what I mean? It takes nothing to ask somebody if they're okay. I, I not always try to lead lead with kindness is sort of like... Yeah, yeah, treat people. Like, you want to be treated? You know, there's a difference between, you okay, mate? Or are you really okay? Yeah. You know, some people can see it. They'll look in your eyes and say, I can see there's something not right, mate. I'll have a cup of tea. Let's have, let's have a chat. Yeah. And that costs nothing. You know, what you've got to remember is, these these guys, you know, we're killing ourselves at three times the rate of women. These guys are killing us. We're killing ourselves. We're somebody's best friend. 
with somebody's husband, with somebody's brother, with somebody's son. And where you know what we're doing this to ourselves. Well, there, there, there's a call to arms to every single person watching this right now. You know, if you suspect one of your friends or family, or or even if you are the one that that isn't quite right, man. After this call, go off. Set, drop that message to that person that you've been ignoring. Phone that per, phone your friend that you haven't spoke to for ages go and be that 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 ear to your friend that might need a chat right now you know because it's these small things that if we all do collectively you know it makes a big difference doesn't it it makes a massive difference as a man i think as a man when things go wrong in your life whether it's a partner um, a relationship breakup i think the net closes in very 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 quickly for a man you will soon realize that there's not a lot out for you. I, I learned quickly, you know what I mean? I, I got stopped seeing my child. You know, there's a, there's a completely another subject <laughs> that I could talk about all day, single fathers, you know, the impact of not seeing one of your kids, how that impacts your mental health. Um, touch, touch wood, you know, I, I've never experienced it, but I can only, you know, dread to imagine what it must be like to... To, that's a whole different conversation. Maybe we can uh, carry that one on on a podcast, you know, at a later date. I, th- I, I think, think there's a few other guys that would jump on that podcast. That's, yeah, I think that's a worthy conversation to to be to, yeah. to have. Definitely. Um, we we've been on just coming up to an hour, um, so we're getting towards the end of of the time that I have allocated. Is there mm-hmm. is there any sort of tips, tricks, guidance, anything you want to sort of leave with the with the guests today um on what what maybe they could do if they either are struggling or suspect someone that is if you're struggling i would always say just reach out do not be afraid to ask for help even if it's a stranger if you see somebody struggling don't be afraid to offer your hand in help they will really need that and they will thank you for it later um just talk Never, never react in anger. Learn your breathing techniques. Um, consult your GP. You know, get the ball rolling. Get some professional help. Never think it's it's not going to happen to me. It can come to us at any point in life. But most imperative is you get that help and you get the help quick, whether it be reaching out, whether it be the emergency services, whether you phone 999, you know, as far as it's, it's, it can be a matter of life or death. And I'll tell you now, if you phone a 999 and saying they will blue light it, they will come out to view. Don't think they're not going to take you seriously because it is. I've been there. I've seen other people there. Um, and just reach out, man. Yeah. Treat people as you want to be treated. Be conscious of everybody else's feelings. And let's just love one another. Let's just take our lives back and realise we're human beings. We have feelings. Forget the media. Let's do what makes us feel good and look after ourselves. You know, look in the mirror and think, you know what? You're not a bad guy. You're not a like bad that. guy at all. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay not to be okay sometimes. Always remember that. Yeah. I, I, I would echo that. Um, wow. What, what, what a powerful um, episode of the Trades Growth Summit that one was.
um, <laughs> for for those that want to learn more about you and 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 the movement that you've created, Men Talk, where, where's the best place for them to to to? You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm. Uh, you can find Men Talk on LinkedIn. I'm also on there myself as Stephen Blair. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. Um, there's a Facebook group called We Are Men Talk. You can also find us online, which is mentalk.online. Um, you'll also see our posts floating about on Instagram as well. Um, you can also contact me. You can also drop me a, an email if you ever uh, wish to, which is steveb at mentalk.online. Um, you know, we've got a good team. We're always happy to help in any way that we can do. Um, if you just need someone to vent to, guys, get in the group, get in the Facebook community. There's loads of guys in there to share experiences with. And, you know, strength in numbers. Just because you can't find a way out on your own doesn't mean somebody else won't be able to help you. We are, we, it's what we need, strength in numbers. We're stronger as a team, not on your own. Always remember that. Well, do you know what? Thank you so much for, for Thanks taking for having the time me. out of your day. It's been a great um, chat, to be honest with you. You it know, has, yeah. It's been a long time since I've actually talked like that again to somebody. And I'll be honest with you, I feel good now because I've got, you know, I've talked, I've vented. It's healthy to do that. Excellent. Well, you know, I, I'm pretty certain that the people watching here, hopefully they're now going to have have a little bit of extra knowledge in their, in their back pocket to, to know what crossed. to do next and, 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 and move forward. And I think you summed it up perfectly is, just get the ball rolling, you know, just get yeah. the ball rolling, get, get something in action, whether it's a friend, doctor, whoever it might be. Um, all the links uh, around men talk and, and, and Stephen will all be in the description around, around this episode of the trades growth summit. Um, I'll, I'll leave you and I'll see you all in the next one. Have a good day. Brilliant, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Look after yourself and your family. You take care. Bye now. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Um, I just wanted to pull it out there for anyone listening that I offer business coaching, but also life coaching. My life is centered around something called the three B's, which stands for body, business and balance. When you work with me as a coach, we tackle all three aspects of life. So you as an individual, body, mindset, health, fitness, knowledge, education. Business B obviously stands for your business, improving, maximizing opportunities, elevating, making more money. And balance stands for your for friends, family, loved ones, you know, making time for everything in your life. And the free Bs is the core element to that. If you'd like to learn more, I would ask you to reach out to me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you might be consuming my information. Um, or you can email me directly at wayne at offthetools.co.uk. I'm here waiting to assist you to elevate across all aspects of life. Have a good one. No excuses. Let's go.